Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in and joining us for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, September 3rd, 2021, and uh, we are back live in studio for the first time in a while with a regular compliment. We have some special guests joining us this morning, but before we get to that, let's check the weather. We'll do a couple quick little news articles, and then we'll get to our guests. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, partly sunny. Highs in the upper 60s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear. Patchy fog after midnight. Lows in the upper 40s. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, patchy fog in the morning. Sunny. Highs in the mid-70s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. All right, again, thanks for joining us for another new episode. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm joined in studio this morning uh, on the soundboard by Lieutenant Gary Traversa from the Cops Bureau. Good morning, Lieutenant. Morning, Chief. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's good to get back to the routine. Yeah. We're also joined in studio this morning by Mr. Gary Dowdy and Mr. Oren Powell of 18 Degrees. We're going to introduce them and their programs in a couple minutes. Well, let's chat briefly about a couple newsworthy items. Um, top of the fold, top of the page from today's Berkshire Eagle headline, Mosquito counts explode after rain. I can tell you, Lieutenant, I didn't need the Eagle to tell me that. Um, walking into the house last night on my way back from the dojo, just bombarded by mosquitoes. It's I mean, late, it's been the whole summer, right? It's late and it's worse, right? In parts of my yard where I don't normally see them, just, you know, they're everywhere. I'm not going to get into the explanation that's in the Eagle article about why that's the case. You can um, check that out yourself, but... Um, you know, this is a local example of when politics interferes with science. <laughs> <clears throat> um, related to our m- most recent rainstorm, and I'm not going to reference the article in detail, um, but obviously, you know, we just listened to the weather report. We know, um, you know, it, this last one-two punch of hurricane slash tropical depressions has been devastating nationally, but last week's weather, uh, you know, New England and the northeast part of the country not generally prepared for that a volume of water uh check the news cycle this morning i think the death count in nor- the northeast portion of the country is over 40 now uh due to flooding and and flooding related things it's just it's a national tragedy um louisiana alabama the southeast they're still dealing with last week's uh storm event and the power outages um you know now they've got increasing heat and no ability to to mitigate that so just keep everybody who's in these storm impacted areas in your thoughts and prayers locally um you know i was <clears throat> i was in a senior managers meeting yesterday and this came up and i shouldn't chuckle it's not funny um but god bless our contact tracers right the public health nurses who are doing the contact tracing they are doing yeoman's work and trying to figure out you know, who might be impacted by potential exposures or close contacts with COVID-19. And, you know, it, I'm just going to say it. I don't care what your personal feelings are. They don't deserve your aggravation or ire. They're not the ones, you know, who are responsible for spreading the virus. Just They're just trying to ask questions and correct information about the virus. Um, so you take a call from our contact tracers. Even if you don't want to cooperate, which is not wise for your friends and family, but even if you don't want to cooperate, at least be polite, be respectful. They have a job to do. They're not responsible for your employer's decisions about whether your exposure impacts your job or not. They're just trying to collect the information. All right. And the last news article, and I this made me chuckle. It made me chuckle, and then I had to send a link to the mayor. So you, you know how in the Eagle they have that... <clears throat> on this day thing that goes back. Did you see yep. today's? No. From September 3rd, 1938, Berkshire Eagle. May raise three buildings to make room for a new one. 
The probable site for Pittsfield's new police station, if one is built, is the space now occupied by the municipal building at the corner of Dunham and Allen Streets. 1938. Wow. And you've heard me talk about this in the past because that project was funded in 1938 and completed in 1939. And in the grand opening of December of 1939, the station flooded. And it flooded again yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it did. Still going. Yeah. Well... If, you know, on that topic, um, there was we received uh, a link to a YouTube video recently mm. um, that showed the construction of the station. And it was kind of a time lapse of, you know, basically um, digging the foundation right through the, the opening. It was really cool. So I, I don't want to belabor this story because I want to get to our guests, but I... I tell this story every time I get the chance to because I think it illustrates, one, just the, the depth of history, but also kind of the lunacy of us continuing to work in that building. So from the minute the Pittsfield Police Headquarters at 39 Allen Street was conceived, this whole project was just like mired in controversy and stuff. So when I said it flooded, they graded the neighboring property the wrong way. And so it rained and it literally washed into the basement. But when we were starting the station justification project in probably 2010, I had to go into the archives of the city clerk's office and pull the annual reports from 1937, 1938, 1939, and kind of track the history of of this project. The first thing is it was one of those um, public works projects as part of like the, um, you know, you know, the, the. the large-scale public works from the coming out of the depression like the civilian conservation corps and everything like that and so they had 48 hours over a weekend to decide if they were going to accept the grant so they decided to accept the grant but they didn't have a plan in place so the money came in from the feds and they hired an architect to work on the design for the property and in the middle of the design process the architect died and his son who was also an architect wanted more money so he refused to continue to work with the city so a member of the select board and another architect B and E'd the architect's office and stole the plans for our station. <laughs> Stealing the plans for the police station. And the rest, as they say, yeah. is history. <laughs> uh, All right. Did they end up in their new building after that happened? Yeah. Like in lockup? Oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you, you know, you've heard me say this. So when the building was commissioned and built, there was six or seven city departments in there, including the Department of Soldiers Affairs, Department of Health, uh, Welfare. When we were kids, that was, you know, where the crime lab is now. That was the public health lab. When I was in elementary school, I used to have to go there to get a, a throat culture for strep throat. You came up the Dunham Mall stairs, you went up, you yeah. came in that back entrance where the women's restroom is now, you went in, they cultured your throat. <laughs> we have blasted all those other departments out of there. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> We need a new building. <laughs> Enough about that. Yeah. All right. So to introduce our guests, um, as, again, Mr. Gary Dowdy and Mr. Roman Powell from 18 Degrees, I want to tell a little story that happened earlier this summer. So we're getting ready to have a coffee with a cop. I think we were going to the Christian Center for our first outdoor coffee with a cop. And a few days, maybe a week before uh, the coffee with a cop, PPD members, internal members, we got an email from one of our young officers. And the young officer was very excited. He was taking the initiative. I was excited to, you know, to see it. But essentially, the email was a, a photograph of Mr. Powell's business card. And essentially, you know, it's Officer Carasoto, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so Officer Carasoto said, I was out in the community. I was doing our stuff, blah, blah, blah. I met this gentleman. He's with this organization called 18 Degrees. They work with at-risk youth. They'd really like to cooperate with us. And so I'm reading the email. And I was like, hmm, something's wrong. Because we fund this program. <laughs> it's a police department grant. We fund the program. We provide some of them their referrals. So I went downstairs to the commanders and the field training supervisor. And I said, what's going on that this officer who came through field training has been with us for about three years now isn't familiar with this program? And it's just one of those things where when the grants were received and they were accepted, anybody who was here at the time was familiar with it. But as you, you know, move farther and farther along, you communicate about these things less and less. And so we had two whole groups of patrol officers who had come through the training pipeline and had no idea that we had a re- an existing relationship with 18 Degrees through the Shannon Grant and the SSYI Grant. And the pandemic didn't help, right? We, we weren't operating the way we normally would, and so some of the, the joint responses uh, weren't occurring. Around the same time that that was occurring, we had a fairly significant event 
uh, criminal event occurring in town. I responded to the scene, and it was the first time that I had responded to the scene in my recent memory for a crime of violence, in this case in the West Side, that um, caseworkers from 18 Degrees weren't also on scene with us. Um, and it was it was apparent when I got there. It was like some, something's missing. And so a few days after that, we had the coffee with a cop. Mr. Powell came, reintroduced himself not only to our personnel, but to the staff at the Christian Center and uh, some residents who joined us that day. And uh, we've been working to kind of communicate about this and, and get these programs out to the community again. So while I was away, uh, Ms. Gregory Bellotta, Mrs. Gregory Bellotta, my admin, and Lieutenant Traversa, putting together guests for the show and now here we are this morning with mr dowdy and mr powell so gentlemen welcome down patrol with the ppd good morning how are you you guys going to get a little bit closer to your mics so how's how's everything going how have your summers been summer's been good yeah summer's been good yeah definitely the weather hasn't helped that much you know all the rain and all but it's been a good summer how about you gary so i think um it's been an interesting summer so far because, uh, uh, you know, people have started to come out of their houses a little bit, you know, uh, um, and uh, so it, I, I'd say that Pittsfield was sort of a microcosm of a larger, if you, if you saw uh, nationally some of the things that were going on as people began to emerge from their houses and, and uh, a lot of pent up uh, energy and uh, Etc. So there was a lot of activity out there for a while uh, out in the community. But I think um, uh, one of the things that we've tried to do, and to your point, Chief, uh, is to sort of reintroduce ourselves back into the community. So uh, our our mantra has been high visibility, <coughs> high mobility. Uh, so you'll see a lot of our teams out there with their PCC Pittsfield Community Connection shirts on, and and uh, and meeting folks out there. So let's uh, before we get into some of the details of the program, let's just uh, rewind a little bit, we'll find out something about you gentlemen, Mr. Dowdy, if you don't mind. I'm going to start with Mr. Powell because uh, actually I, I know a little bit more about him in different capacities. We kind of go way back. Yeah. Um, so you know, tell our viewers and listeners who you are, where you're from, how you got to working with 18 Degrees? Uh, well, I'm Oren Powell, and I am from Pittsfield. Um, I'm a graduate of Pittsfield High School. Uh, I also attended Berkshire Community College. Thank uh, you for that. My wife is appreciative. Shout out to BCC. <laughs> Definitely shout out to BCC. Um, I've been working in this field um, ever since I left college, so I would say probably around 91, um, I entered the field working at Hillcrest Educational Centers, um, and I was there for about 12 years, and then I went over to Berkshire Farms, was there for about three or four years, um, came back into Pittsville, which is always where I wanted to work, um, in my own community, but it was a great experience working over at the farm, working at Hillcrest, because I got a chance to um, interact with inner city kids and just kids abroad. I guess. Um, so that helped me coming back into my own community, uh, working at the key program, um, and then working at 18 degrees. Um, 18 degrees has been a great experience so far, and I just look forward to get even better. Um, I've been given an opportunity to help my community, um, help the kids in my community. I was one of the kids in the community that ran around you know, the west side, having fun, riding bikes, playing basketball outside, going to the Boys and Girls Club, um, going from west side community school to going home, going to Pitt Park. We'd all gather in Pitt Park, and then we'd all walk up to the Boys Club and practice, you know, basketball or have a basketball game. So um, it was a tight-knit community, you know. So if you don't mind my asking, you don't have to be specific, just general, general kind of bracket. How old are you? I'm in my late 40s. All right, yeah, that's what I thought. So, <laughs> and, and I, I, the reason I'm going to ask you this is because I have distinct memories uh, when, you know, my, my aunt and uncle up on Circular Ave, we'd go visit them, my cousin Brendan, we'd wander down to Pitt Park, right? Sometimes go down there for the gathering when the gathering yep. was, you know, massive, in some cases, two-day event. 
But I, I ask everybody that I know spent time in and around Pitt Park. Do you remember on the John Street side of Pitt Park, the and the air quotes here, the the play structures that were in place in the mid seventies? Like the concrete pipe that we would crawl through, <laughs> and that gate, that swinging, swinging gate. gate. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the stuff that we played on in Pitt Park in the 70s would be considered like against the Geneva Convention today. <laughs> these, these were crimes against humanity. The the push the push merry-go-round, we would launch children. Just across that. Park. It was it was definitely. Um, Pit Park was definitely a playful park. Yeah. Um, it was a painful park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As well. Uh, a lot of growing pains yeah. in Pit Park. Um, but, you know, that's what I say. Like, that's when the West Side community was really tight. Yeah. Um, definitely. You know, you couldn't, if you were a kid on the West Side, um, most likely your parents were known by each other's. And you did something that you wasn't supposed to do or you was in an area that you wasn't supposed to be in, yeah. by the time you got home, <laughs> your parents knew about it. You know, and, and it was it was a different day and age, right? And I'm not gonna say the the you know the world hasn't changed significantly, but you know, we were free range kids. Right? You know, they we get the get out of my house early in the morning. My brother and I would ride our bikes over to Brendan's house. And then, you know, we'd have whatever little spending money mom or, or dad get, or Ray gave us. Um, my uncle, my aunt, they would kind of set us up for the day. We'd walk over to Tatey's and pick <laughs> up our sandwich, go down to the park, right? Maybe hang out in the park for a little while, swing back by Tatey's, maybe grab an ice cream. Like it, We were on our own for the day. But that's yeah. the way it was, you know what yeah. I mean? We were on our bikes, um, and we, just like you said, you started – First thing in the morning, you knew that you could go to Pitt Park and there'd yeah. be about another 10 to 15 kids in the park by yeah. 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, yeah. you know, and it was just take off from there. You know, you'd be on this side of town and, you know, on the west side of town running around playing, and then you go on the other side of town and play basketball. Side, yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was just, yeah. you know, that's when technology you didn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah, you, know you, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have all the television choices or, you know, Cable TV was in its infancy, so you know you still had the antenna with three channels. <laughs> and, and, and I'm no disrespect to my parents or, or my my aunt and uncle, but you know it was just the way things were. Parenting was get out of my house, be back when the streetlights come on, <laughs> and don't get in any trouble. <laughs> don't get in any trouble, right? It, it was different. Um, all right, so real quick, just to wrap this up. You know, social worker by by training and profession, lots of experience, but you know, you you kind of are involved in a bunch of different stuff in the community too both recreationally like you got your hand into some you know recreational sports and stuff like that and at some points in time you actually jump back into a different lane and assist with your family's industry occasionally you know you dabble in culinary stuff too yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well you know dennis powell uh who's my uncle uh renowned chef um, he taught us all in the family how to cook. And then his son um, graduated college and started his family, moved back to Pittsville, who's Jabari Powell, um, and opened up Mad Jack's Barbecue. Yeah. And, you know, we're family. So I was going to do anything I had to do to help him to be successful. And it's continued to work. We were just talking about Mad Jack's in the office yesterday. I miss when they were in the little shop on yeah. Penn Street. I miss when we were on North Street. We were uh, just yeah, catching our stride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it just was convenient to the station on Fen Street. The space yeah. on North Street was amazing. But yeah. I just I miss Magic's Barbecue for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shift gears here now. Uh, Gary, tell us about yourself. So, well, it's fascinating listening to you talk. I, I didn't grow up here in Pittsfield, but, uh, you know, this is exactly why we have Oren in the position that he's in as a community engagement specialist and uh, because he does have that rich history. I will say that Be Home When the Streetlights Come On, I think that was uh, a generational thing. That was, that was the rule, uh, even at my home. You, you, you know, you'd be out all day and... and uh, God, they, nobody knew where you were. <laughs> Just be home when the streetlights come on. So, uh, so it was really great to, to hear that. So I come by this work, um, uh, I, I'd say through lived experience initially and then uh, through education and training. Uh, so at the, I grew up on Long Island in New York and uh, at uh, the age of 16, 
uh, I was sent to Berkshire Farm Center Services for Youth right across the mountain there where I spent uh, about 19 months, um, which was supposed to be a year, but I, I couldn't quite get it in a, in a year, so I had to spend a little more time there, you know. So, uh, you know, as life would, uh, as life would, uh, would have it, I, I moved out west and then, uh, you know, uh, was in a totally different industry and that, but I had stayed in touch with people from Berkshire Farm. And, uh, you know, uh, particularly Dr. Uh, James Bell, who is one of the first African-American child psychiatrists in this country, who was a friend of, uh, was a dear friend of mine and, and my family and a mentor uh, for me. And uh, uh, I had gone through my own life uh, uh, experiences through uh, recovery f uh, from alcohol and, and drugs. and. Uh, uh, and I stayed in touch with Dr. Bell, and he said, boy, we sure could use somebody like you out here. And so I moved from San Diego, where I was at at the time, to uh, Canaan, New York, and I spent many years uh, at, uh, at Berkshire Farm, where I was placed as a kid. So uh, I kind of come from, from that experience initially, and, uh, uh, and then uh, was interested in, in the work in a more formal education and, and uh, uh, got my substance abuse uh, 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 counseling credentials as well as my master's in, in social work. And then so started really about uh, developing programs and developing teams. And, uh, and so I had an opportunity uh, at the time, it was uh, Colleen Holmes was the CEO at the time. And uh, uh, I had a conversation with her. I had a number of choices of places to be at. And I really, really... Uh, appreciated the mission and the values uh, of 18 degrees they were in alignment with my own personal uh, views I did live in Pittsfield for about five years um, uh, you know some years back and so I was familiar with the area and there's a lot of cross-pollination if you will between uh, you know Hillcrest and Berkshire Farm and and workers uh, you know I knew Oren uh, when he was at Berkshire Farm, <coughs> actually, uh, you know, Jason uh, Frazier worked worked with him for many years, and and we got him back over on this side of the uh, of the mountain. And he's been a really uh, powerful addition to the team Great as well. Answer. I didn't know Jason was working with you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. my cousin. That's your cousin. Okay. Uh, well, great. Um, so, uh, yeah, I worked with uh, with Jason for many years over at Berkshire. Powerful. When we had a position, we reached out to him and, and brought him back over over on this side of the nice of the mountain. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so I've been involved with. Uh, uh, it's been a couple years now, uh, and uh, we've we've grown tremendously as an organization, as an agency, uh, 18 degrees, and certainly in our youth development programs so so for our listeners and viewers maybe just uh, we'll set the stage a little bit and talk about kind of how we got here the history we've got about right. eight minutes left before we have to take a station break right. um and so you know i'm gonna mess this up if if maggie's listening she's gonna scold me when i get back <laughs> to the office so we have um a shannon shannon grant the funding grant which is an executive office of public safety and security grant we have the ssyi grant which is an executive office of health and human services grant and there's another small funding source i think it's a probation um yeah mps yeah mps grant right. smaller dollars but the, yeah, they're all aligned right. that the police department is the recipient for uh, of and it's passed through money with the exception of a little bit of overtime money all, all those grant funds essentially are, are you know, transferred through us to 18 Degrees, uh, which used to be um, Berkshire Center. Right? And uh, so I don't even know if you gentlemen are aware of this. So there's some interesting history here. We, this goes back probably more than 10 years now. We were, um, we were dealing with a very visible uptick in uh, gun-related violence, right. in, uh, particularly in the West Side of Morningside. Right. And as a result, we convened a large group meeting, stakeholders meeting, including police department, uh, members of our command staff, uh, district attorney's office, probation, uh, and some of our community partners, including some members of the um, legislature. And the members of the legislature invited some state, commonwealth, executive level representatives. And so we're sitting in this conference room and we were at the Breen Center on Fenn Street, and we're just kind of setting the stage. And uh, it, I don't think many of, I don't even think most of our staff knows that 
at the time, technically, the city of Pittsfield wasn't eligible for a Shannon grant. We didn't meet the criteria. We didn't have enough crime. We didn't have mm-hmm. enough uh, call activity. And so the larger gateway cities were receiving these Shannon grants, uh, and they were doing some unbelievably cool things, but we weren't in that pool because we're just, you know, too small, too far west. Uh, and so as the meeting was wrapping up, uh, one of the undersecretaries turned and looked at a staff member and said, how much money is left in that funding pool this year? And it was $70,000, right. uh, which is not big dollars. Not but uh, the undersecretary basically turned and said, we're going to give you that $70,000. We're going to give you whatever's left in our pool for the year. Um, t- it's You're going to have to backdate, so, you know, do the paperwork, and there's some reporting requirements, but we're just, you know, it's yours. Take it. And we had no idea what we were going to do with it. Um, and so we received the money. We kind of looked at the reporting requirements. I'll be completely honest. The reporting requirements almost convinced me to give the money back. <laughs> uh, it was a little daunting. Um, but we, you know, we, we decided we need to do this. We got to settle, settle down. And so we came up with the idea of what now is Pittsfield Community Connection. Um, and originally with the $70,000, essentially it, it was just, going to be one staff position mm-hmm. and a little bit of um a little bit of like pro- programmatic infusion and so the first decision was this this position was going to be a contract position within city government they, they actually technically going to work for the police department and uh this part of the story has been told but the first incumbent in that position was now senator adam hines right. Right? he was he was hired to kind of figure this out uh, the senator came with a unique background. His previous employer was the United Nations. Uh, he was a, you know, essentially a diplomatic negotiator in war-torn areas, and he was going to change his focus. He was going to come to work with us for a little while. Um, and so, we we managed to do some small steps. You know, get get some referrals in place, kind of get uh, people at least talking at the same. time. And the next year that. Uh, EOPS came back and said, you're doing good work. Uh, we've declared you eligible. And the next year's grant was significantly larger than $70,000. Um, and at that point in time, with the reporting requirements, I had to go to uh, the mayor at the time and said, the, the, the police department can't do this. We don't have the staff and the capacity to do this. We need to sub this out to a community partner. Uh, and so that was the establishment um, between the police department and the predecessor of 18 degrees um it's it, there's been some fits and starts we've had several turnovers in the program staff uh on the shannon grant um i think we're in a really good position with the people that are in place now um and then as a result of the success on the shannon grant within a few years we then became eligible for the ssyi grant and um you know Two very similar programs, one, again, funded by public safety, one funded by health and human services. Um, very similar catchment groups or target groups, but different age brackets for the two programs. And then as a result of the continued success with the SSYI grant, the probation grant then became available. And with each iteration of the renewal of each of these grants, the dollars get incrementally bigger. So now, I don't know, what, more than 10 years into the the combination of the three grants um we've got some resources that we can do some pretty cool work uh the police department's involvement all told is pretty minimal right we get information gathered by our officers in the field that gets funneled through sergeant mazio sergeant mazio provides you with potential contacts of uh you youth we've interacted in that might need a little assistance and then you know basically we turn it over to you right yeah that's correct. So uh, I will say, Chief, that uh, uh, each time uh, that EOPS and Health and Human Services look at the work that we're doing, uh, it, it puts us in a better position. I will tell you that we also uh, received now, the through the Department of Public Health, the Gun Violence Prevention Grant. Mm-hmm. So we've added that, uh, nice. you know, 
So when we talk about our programs, we talk about it as Pittsfield Community Connection. Yeah. Uh, it gets a little confusing for folks out there to try and, you know, SSYI, Shannon, MPA, oh, you know. Yep. We, we do that here in the back office. So it's really, it's Pittsfield Community Connection, and all of those programs fall under that, uh, that umbrella. Uh, and they're all of our, what we call our youth development programs. Um, and they are, ju they are also part of a larger uh, 22 other programs under uh, 18 degrees, the right. agency. Right. So let's get another uh, check of the weather, station identification, and some PSAs, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about 18 degrees a little bit, and then we can get into some specifics about the programs. Great. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, partly sunny. Highs in the upper 60s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear. Patchy fog after midnight. Lows in the upper 40s. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, patchy fog in the morning. Sunny. Highs in the mid 70s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Support for WTBR comes from Sandrini Enterprises, providing awnings and canopies in western Massachusetts. Retractable awnings, retractable screen, gutter and gutter protection systems, commercial awnings, and screen rooms. Customized solutions available online at sandrini.com. UCP of Western Massachusetts is hiring. If you'd like to help people with different abilities lead independent lives, apply at ucpwma.org jobs. We need direct and living caregivers. Join the agency who's reimagining independence. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC offers more opportunity and less student debt. With small class sizes and more than 50 academic programs to choose from, fall classes begin on September 7th. Apply today at berkshirecc.edu. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in again to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and I will be chastised and scolded by Officer Derby if I don't remind everybody. Also available on your favorite podcast platforms. I have to offer a caveat, though, because I just checked on that station break. Um, we don't have the programs from the last two weeks. So haven't been uploaded. We'll take care of that at the end of the show. I'm not sure I received them to do that. Before I left, uh, I had asked them to send them to you, but they said they were going to take care of it. So oh. we'll have to follow up with them okay. to upload them all this afternoon. All right, so we're back. And if you're just joining us, you are listening to On Patrol the PPD. Uh, Lieutenant Traverse and I are joined in studio this morning by Mr. Gary Dottie, Mr. Owen Powell from 18 Degrees. Um, some viewers and listeners, particularly for our listeners who may be in far reaches of the world, like Okinawa, Japan, because we know we have some over there, uh, they may not be familiar with 18 degrees. Um, because 18 degrees, although it's a new name, it's a rebranding for a very, very long-lasting and historic social service agency here in the city. And so, um, let me screw this up, it was Berkshire Center for Family, no. No. Berkshire, Berkshire Children and Families. Berkshire Children and Families. Yeah. Um, they rebranded a couple of years ago and became 18 Degrees. And, um, you know, 18 Degrees is, is a powerhouse community partner in a variety of ways. And not all of their programs have to do with youth services or youth development, um, you know, child care and adult groups and all kinds of stuff. So tell us a little bit about the organization. Right. So I think the first question that always comes up is, what is 18 degrees? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and it gives us really a great opportunity to talk about uh, how we came up with, uh, with that name. So 18 degrees is the position of the sun just as it 
hits the horizon, just under the horizon, uh, which signifies the, the beginning of a new day and new hope for the day. And, uh, and that's kind of how we look at it, uh, uh, you know, on a daily basis for uh, the families, the children and families that we, uh, that we serve. Every day is a, is a new day uh, and new hope. So that's how we came, uh, we, we, we got that name. So, uh, and I love to tell that story. So right now, 18 degrees, we, we do have, uh, we have a new chief executive officer, uh, Sarah Cook. Uh, who is originally from uh, from Boston, but has done uh, a lot of work in in uh, Austin, Texas, uh, so has a lot of experience with large um, uh, systems and uh, et cetera. So she brings a lot of energy and and a lot of knowledge to uh, to 18 degrees. And and so uh, we missed uh, we missed Colleen. Uh, she was great for the organization and was the right person at the right time. And and, uh, and I think we can say the same now for Sarah is the, the right person at the right time. We are really, uh, have grown just considerably just in the last couple uh, few years and we're looking at, uh, uh, at further growth, uh, growth. We have the, uh, the Family Resource Center. Uh, we do have our child care. Uh, we have, uh, you know, at Redfield at, at 18 degrees 480 West Street. Um, and one of the exciting things for us as the youth development programs is that we have a new space uh, over at 703 West Tusitonic, which houses our uh, Shannon uh, SSYI and GVP uh, programs. So uh, we've really grown extensively. That's awesome. 703 is a is a amazing space there's so much potential over there uh it's some great you know blue q is yep. in there yep. they've got some great folks over there uh i always it, it's kind of got this bohemian feel if you will and and it and it's comfortable for the kids uh you, you know uh sometimes the, the kids are a little hesitant to come into these sort of uh uh, suit and tie you know, sterile uh, environments or, right so right. it's, it's kind of my neck of the woods in my neighborhood I have to ask do they still have the goats on the solar farm they do yes. They yes. go for walks in the neighborhood and they, they don't mow the solar farm they just put goats in there in the spring and they live there all summer long yeah it's yeah, awesome yeah they they do and uh, <laughs> you know for me that was the selling point the goats <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the goats the goats are my wife's highlight of that for that portion of the walk so right. let's go see the walk, goats right it's a great space and and uh, the kids are much more they feel much more comfortable uh, we're able to transport them there, uh, our case managers and our outreach workers, or there's a bus stop right there. Uh, so it's been a really great space, and we're, we're looking forward to more people coming out and, and visiting us there and, and checking it out. So That's awesome. And the office space is huge. I mean, it's just, I mean, you have, what, two 55-inch TVs with video games on both TVs so that, you know, you can space them out. Oh, there. we may come hang out there. Gotta, I was just going to say, <laughs> don't sell it too hard. Man, I'm trying to tell you, you got the foosball table in there. I mean, the space is so big that we built um, mountain bikes so that when the kids come, they can go for mountain bike rides with their case managers or their uh, outreach workers. And um, I'm riding the mountain bikes around in the office as they get built. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Make sure they work right before I have to bring them down on the road. But I mean, it's a great you gotta space. You got to post some video of that. Oh, it's, a, it's a great space. And the kids that have been coming there and, and, and have seen the space, they enjoy the space. They feel comfortable in the space. And that's the most important thing about that space mm -hmm. is that when these individuals come, we want them to feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of these kids, you know, in their household, they don't have these items. They don't have an Internet. They don't have a game console. Um, so when they get, you know, when they're done doing their work with their outreach worker or the case manager, they can sit back and play video games for 45 minutes to an hour. That, when that kid leaves there, he's not leaving with a sense of, oh, I didn't do anything. He's leaving with a sense of, these people care for me. These right. people are, they're coming to get me. They're working with me. And then they're allowing me to have a little bit of fun. And then I'm going back home. I'm cool with that, you know. Right. So... So far, our, our viewers and listeners may not see the connection or the nexus between a police department and sure. a police department uh, you know, radio program and just these programs we're talking about because we haven't kind of sure. gotten into any detail yet. 
so you know in the most general sense of the of the description in the programs we're talking about your youth development programs you know shannon ssyi gang violence prevention or gun violence prevention basically we're talking about intervention strategies that if successful when successful preclude the police department from having to arrest adolescents for gang and gun violence that, that really that's what we're looking for how do we identify somebody who may be gang impacted at an earlier stage in their development and their upbringing before they've committed crimes that we have no choice but to arrest and prosecute for and maybe steer them in another direction so when i said that you know patrol identifies referrals and gives them the sergeant mazio and sergeant mazio then provides those to the team at uh, at pcc that's what we're looking at we're, we're looking right. at that segment of the population that is impacted by gang involvement and gang violence and trying to do an early intervention so that we don't have to do a legal intervention later. That's right. Correct. Yeah. So we really have, we're looking at really two, two uh, cohorts of, of young people here, uh, what we call proven risk. These are folks that are certainly known to the police department. Uh, the, they've had brushes with the law. They may have been arrested in that. And that's where the referrals come uh, from the police department. Uh, and then we have what we consider at-risk, our at-risk use. So that's more of the prevention Gym. and intervention, sort of get them early. And, and so uh, we're working with, uh, with uh, kids as young as 10 years old. Yeah. So uh, that's really more of the prevention and intervention uh, kinds of uh, uh, work that, uh, that we do. So. so before we got on the air today, um, Mr. Powell had asked uh, Lieutenant Traversa if he was still in the schools, right? And we've spent a lot of time in previous episodes talking about Lieutenant Traversa's background and history and how he kind of came up through the schools uh, as a school resource officer before he promoted out. Um, and now he oversees the school resource officers in his role as the commander. Um, and, you know, patrol obviously is out there. They're doing police work and making cases. The school resource officers... Well, they also are, are sometimes making cases. They're more about establishing relationships. And it's not easy, but, you know, it, if you see a young person who is in the process of or on the verge of making some really poor decisions for whatever reasons are going on in their life, and they're going to choose to step in a particular direction and align themselves with some older adolescents who have already made some really, really bad decisions, right. there's an opportunity there. Um, and so these, these referrals can be identified in the community. They can be identified in the schools. You, you spent years doing that. They can be identified by family members. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, it, again, it's not easy but it, it's very, very possible to look at a young person and say, this kid's about to make a big mistake, and there's an opportunity there to stop that. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And so we do get a lot of referrals at, you know, th- through the school. We're working with the school now. We have a great relationship with, uh, with the schools. We're just, we just had meetings with them to allow our our case managers and our outreach workers to get back into the school during maybe uh, non-credit bearing classes or during lunchtime to check in. And a lot of times our folks can head things off if a young person is having a bad day in school. We can kind of head that off at the the pass, if you will. So we've just kind of, I mean, COVID has really affected us all in so many different ways and how we've had to do the work. And uh, uh, Etc. So we're just trying to, you know, we have to act as if that things are are going to continue to improve, right? And things are beginning to open up, and so a lot of those referral sources are beginning to open up as well. So we're getting back into the school. Um, I think a couple of other things that are really important to to note, uh, Chief, is that. Um, you know we have great community partners out there and uh you know whether it's the you know the brain center or habitat for humanity or all of these great organizations out there but what we've had to do is uh and we all have our sort of unique um uh challenges if you will so a couple of things that we've done uh internally that we've had to develop is that we now have two embedded clinicians 
uh, in our program. Uh, clinicians are hard to come by. Just yes, ask they are. Uh, folks <laughs> at uh, the Brain Center or yes. CSO. Uh, they're very and and so uh, with our relationship with the different state agencies, they've allowed us to uh, to embed uh, clinicians uh, directly as as employees of 18 degrees. So we do have two clinicians. Uh, and we've really worked very hard over the last year of standing up our business and employment unit, right? So we have great folks over at Mass Hire. We have a population that, you know, we're the subject matter experts. Our kids are difficult. They're very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, so sometimes there are uh, agencies that have, uh, that, that don't have the time or the resources to kind of work with our young people and that and so we're the subject matter experts so we've developed programs in-house and we're very excited about our our business and employment unit that's uh, uh, up and operating now right now we have uh, uh, we, we have foundational skills training workforce readiness skills individual workforce counseling uh, etc and uh, we have 10 of our young people that are in the individual counseling around workforce readiness and all 10 of them are working right now that's awesome yeah so you know, just really quick I just want to I want to give a big shout out to all the employers out there who work with us um, our individuals once again aren't the easiest um, and they're giving them chances you know what I mean they're giving them a chance that they might not have gotten um, if they hadn't have been in our program well, fair's fair. I mean, no free ads or underwriting, but you want to name some of those employers and give them a, give them a little sure. credit? Sure. Um, we have the Crown Plaza has helped us out. Um, Hotel North, before they had um, ended up not in opening, reopening right. their kitchen, um, partnered with us. Um, we have partners out in Adams, um, Alternative Berkshire Alternative Motors. Um, we have uh, A1 Septic. Um, we have a few out there that are working with our individuals. That's you know? awesome. And and that's part of what I do also is is engaging in the community of, you know, talking with employers. What do they need? You know what I mean? And and counteracting with who we have um, in the program. And, and John or Tom. Yeah, Tom. Tom, Tom Fox. Yeah. Tom Fox. Um, he runs a great program of um, getting the kids um, resumes and workforce development um, training, um, hands-on through him. That's so great. It's 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 all hands on deck, and that's what makes this successful. Is that you know it's not just eighteen degrees; it's the community that's right. that's coming together. So. so, so the department has been uh, in through the expansion of our co-responder program with our embedded clinicians and uh, in the our efforts to hopefully establish a. Um, uh, a hub model based on the Chelsea hub, which uh, that actually was my first interaction with your new CEO was kind of in, inviting 18 degrees into that with us. Um, one of the things that has definitely become obvious in the last several years is that if you're providing community-based services, you need to provide community-based services in the community. And to say that you're providing community-based services and expect people to come to the offices is it's disingenuous and one of the things i love about pittsfield community connection as well as our co-responders is you know your model is to find people in the community right, right. go go where, meet them where they're at right. um you know it's it's not enough for our officers to hand somebody a card and say call this number and go to 703 it's that's not gonna you gotta you gotta take them and lead them by the hand right that's right yeah. um so i want i want to make a couple of uh, appeals to our viewers and listeners kind of on your behalf um the first so if you're a regular viewer or listener, earlier this summer, you heard me have a little bit of a meltdown uh, on, the, um, on the program following one of our gun-related incidents. It was, in this particular case, it was the incident where the car containing two children was mm -hmm. struck by gunfire, mm -hmm. and uh, I let my emotions get the better of me. And, I, and I've said something, I said something during that episode that I've said repeatedly for years, um, and that is when a young person in our community leaves their residence wherever they're laying their head down at whatever the start of their day is with a gun with the intent to go commit gun crime somebody else knows right somebody in that person's life knows and the time to intercede is then right call us then and let us get the gun before the trigger is pulled but i'm going to tell you that that's too late 
right? Because the day that that young person decides to arm themselves with a firearm, go out and commit a gun crime, is not the day that they made that decision to go down the wrong path. They're well down that wrong path by then. The time to get some intervention, to get some help, to involve Pittsfield Community Connection in 18 Degrees is the very first time you recognize that somebody in your life, a child in your life, is on the verge of making bad decisions. Call the subject matter experts. Make the referral then so you don't have to call 911 when they have a gun and they've already decided to commit a crime. Like, let's, let's prevent them from ever deciding that they want to get the gun. Um, so that's appeal number one. Appeal number two, I have a friend who is a uh, PCC mentor pre-pandemic. Uh, she's lovely. I love her to death. And no disrespect, but she's an older white woman from South County. God bless her for her willingness to help. Um, not really what we need in the mentorship ranks for your caseload. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> what, what we really need in the mentorship ranks for your caseload is young, successful, mainly men, sometimes mainly men of color. Please. <laughs> so, um, Spanish speaking is also helpful. Bilingual would be helpful. <laughs> Please. And, and it, pay, it pains me to say this out loud, but when I say young men of color, I'm not in that demographic anymore. We're, we're looking, you know, <laughs> mid-30s and younger. Um, you know, and we've got some great, great, successful young men in our community who are doing amazing things and they're already stepping up and they're already doing amazing things and it's not fair to ask them to take this on too but we don't have them all yet right the, if if you're in this community you want to make a difference in a kid's life this is a way you can do it mentor a uh, mentor a young person who is on the pcc caseload well, I sure appreciate that appeal, Chief. Uh, Gail Crumpels yes. is our mentoring coordinator extraordinaire. Uh, she is of this community and uh, uh, is a mentor herself. Um, yes. And that's how she started. So uh, thank you for that appeal. I just saw a billboard, one of our billboards on the, coming on the way here uh, about our mentorship program. So you can call anybody at 18 Degrees and ask for uh, a PCC, uh, anybody at PCC. and. And we can uh, uh, we can we can get you directed to where you need to be if you want to volunteer to to be a mentor. Uh, th these folks give of them their time and treasure. It is just unbelievable. Uh, and the great news is that through the pandemic, uh, not only did we not lose any of these mentor mentees uh, pairings, um, uh, you know, we we kept them throughout the through, uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, and they stepped up even more, the mentors. So it's, and, it's been amazing. And it's not a heavy lift, right? An hour or two, you know. A couple hours a week. A couple hours a week. Grab a sandwich, grab an ice cream, take a kid someplace that maybe they haven't been before, the Athenaeum, the museum. That's Get right. the kids outside. Yep. Fishing, biking, hiking, um, a conversation, yeah. a walk from point A to point B, a walk from wherever you're meeting them, to go get an ice cream and back. Just that time spent allowing them to express themselves, allowing them to get off any kind of a weight that might be on their shoulder, we might, con we might not consider it weight, but to them it is. Um, I think that's one of the best things about mentoring and about my coworkers is that we listen. We don't try to advise first. We listen to the individuals first and foremost. And then we attack the issues that are holding them back, you know what I'm saying, as a team. And that's the, I think that's another good thing about 18 Degrees is that when you get an outreach worker and you get a case manager, you're getting a team. Okay. Um, and, that's, and that's huge. Right. So I, I just want to follow up on something uh, that, that you just said, and I'll, I'll share this from my personal experience, right? So in order for your team to work with this student, this youth, on those issues, to attack those issues, that youth or adolescent needs to know what those issues are, right? And, you know, I've, I've talked about this on previous programs. You know, I, I you know, work through some stuff with, with my own emotional well-being. I see a therapist on a regular basis. Sometimes you don't know what those issues are. And many times those issues aren't going to be on earth in a formal session. 
there on earth in an informal conversation where you scratch the surface on something else. And so, you know, although the mentor-mentee relationship may not be therapeutic, it's entirely possible that by letting this adolescent vent, speak their piece, they may make a connection or pull a thread to something that they can then work on with their caseworker or their clinician. But if they didn't have that opportunity to vent, they're never going to air that issue. Um, So it's a critical part of just allowing them to communicate openly, freely, and safely. You know, as, as you were speaking, Warren, I was thinking, you know, I can't imagine being an adolescent in this day and age. Yeah. Being a teenager, it was tough enough pre-social media. I mean, if you have to live in an environment where the your social circle is artificial, it, how do you get to the real issues? Yeah, it, right. So. I think it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I just wanted to highlight very quickly is that, you know, Scott Haskell is the director of our SSYI program. Uh, and many, many, he's got decades of experience. He's, uh, he's got the patience of a saint. Uh, he, he's pretty incredible. But one of the things that, uh, that we did was uh, uh, with um, uh, uh, Sergeant Mazio was uh, Oren and Scott were able to go into the roll calls and talk with your patrol officers uh, about 18 degrees in the program. So I got uh, two reports back. Uh, one from the FRC where one of your patrol officers, somebody who he had met on the street and looked like they were struggling and had a little one, uh, was able to direct them to the FRC, uh, the, the Family Resource Center, to get diapers and things for the baby. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, and another uh, youth said that he got contacted us, and that was as a direct result of a patrol officer giving him our number. Awesome. Uh, you know, so this is, this is really working. The last appeal that I would make is that, you know, when we have these committees and, you know, you sit at them, I sit at them, them, and it's always the usual players that are at the table, okay? So if I can put out another appeal, it's about we really need community members. There's a lot of great community organizations out there. We welcome them. They are our thought partners uh, uh, in all of this. But what we're really trying, and you're going to hear more about this uh, as we get out into the community more, is we want community members to sit there the, with, the, with the thought of nothing about us yeah. without us. So, it, you know, it, it goes back to the, the you know, common the refrain, it takes a village That's to raise right. a child. Yes. And you know, for my entire career, it, it, it gets old. You, you know, it gets trite. You roll out in the middle of a crisis, and residents look at you and say, "It's not my job; it's your job. Do your job." Right. We're facilitators. This is the community's job, right? The health and safety of the community, the well-being of our children, is the community's job. If you rely on the subject matter experts and the professionals, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Right. <laughs> All police, right. police your areas and 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 use us. You know. Yeah. Um, communication is is the key in the community. Um, neighbors got to talk to neighbors. Um, you know, you can't just if you see something, say something. It's, it you know, it's not about being a snitch. It's about it's about saving. It's about protecting. It's about the saving community. and protecting. Yeah. And you're saving the the youth or that individual from doing something that could um, steer their life yeah, in, a, in, a, in the wrong direction. You right. know what I'm saying? Or take somebody's life. So, yeah. you know, this is, it, it's, it's not about trying to be the holy savior. It's just about trying to be a community. All right. We got a couple minutes left. Any last thoughts about your work or your programs that you want to share with the viewers and listeners? Well, I think we're really excited about, you know, there's a lot of conversations about, you know, what's recently come out, the ARPA funds, and there's a lot of community listening and, uh, you know, uh, activity around what, what uh, you know, people's opinions are about where they think that money would be best served. We're, we're certainly at the table along with everybody else and having those conversations to see how we can best serve this community. Uh, and again, my appeal, and thanks so much around the mentoring appeal, that was right high on my list uh, to get mentors in. And again, just once again, we're going to be asking people in the community, community members, to come and join us uh, as thought partners. So, What's the be- best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, they can call 18 Degrees, the main office, um, and Oren will have that uh, uh, number. He's going to get that right now. Do you have social media at all? 
we are on social media. You can go right to 18degrees.com. Uh, yeah. um, we're on Facebook as well, um, under 18 Degrees. Um, you can call 413-448-8281 for the main office. We'll put, um, we'll put that in the show notes. We're going to have to get you guys back. This, this hour went very, very quickly. We are just about out of time. You have been listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and available on your popular podcast platforms. Tune in next week for another new episode. Until then, be healthy, be safe, and most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.